Good evening. Good good winter's eve to you gentlemen. Why was E the only letter in the alphabet to get a Christmas present? I don't know, Brian. Why was E the only <laughs> one to get a Christmas present? <laughs> because all the rest of the letters were naughty. Ah. Welcome, Ooh. boys and girls, <laughs> to a very festive, holly and jolly showdown episode of Halloween's Forever. I'm Brian. I'm Steve with two E's. Yeah, yeah, you are. Hey, 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 guys, who's that stranger walking up the snowy driveway carrying a Christmas tree over his shoulder? Who's that handsome boy coming up the lane? Is that Brandon Getz? Is that our guest this month? How's it going, guys? Nice to be back. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for returning to the old podcast. It's been a while. I was trying to remember, because like I said, it really genuinely has been a while. What... What did we talk about on uh, last time you were on the show? I'm trying to remember. The Wolf, Wolf of Snow, of Hollow. Snow Hollow. Oh, that's right. That's a good movie. That's a good winter movie mm-hmm. as well. I need to get yeah. back there and watch that some bitch as well. Yeah, because we were talking about uh, we were talking about your your uh, werewolf expertise. Um, so, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, first of all, what the fuck are you doing? Where you been? That's a classic, guys. Go back and <laughs> go back in the archives, check it out. Uh, Brandon Getz, friend of the show, um, second time guest here. Uh, au- well, let me see if I get so author, uh, a horror nerd, just general movie nerd. I would say, right? Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I, I would say a-, a pretty strong connoisseur of of all things nostalgic as well. Uh, on the internet probably yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and if and because because i will absolutely forget if i don't say so right now uh and we'll repeat it later on uh go check out uh uh brandon's books especially well speaking of werewolves last time we were on here i think we were talking about uh uh lars breaks face uh werewolf in space which was a lot of fun um but now i think well it was last year right uh you came yeah. out with uh stop me if you heard this one before yep yeah which not, i uh, freaking totally love a horror thing but it's got a couple of horror or adjacent stories in there so would it be safe to say uh weird fiction would that yeah. be what you call something like that i uh, i don't know what else to call it it's yeah weird. <laughs> it's weird and it's fucking fantastic and i absolutely love Thanks, it man. um so go check that out and and on uh, on the Instagrams and the Twitters and all that sort of thing. You're uh well, at least on uh Instagram, you're paperback writer BG, right? Yes. Yeah. So go check them out and go buy that freaking book. And we'll talk about it a little bit as we go on here and, and we'll remind you at the end of the show. But I absolutely loved it. I think we actually even talked about it on the show a little bit. Probably. In any in any case. Thank you. Welcome for joining us uh, for, for this here a little bit later than expected. Uh, showdown episode for December. Uh, this is our Secret Satan Showdown episode, yins guys. We're going to be talking about three spooky Christmas movies. Uh, we talk about it a lot. I it's fastly becoming my favorite genre. Uh, one of my favorite genres of horror movies is is Christmas horror. What's your uh, What's your take on on uh, Christmas horror, uh, Brandon? Is that something you you dabble in pretty regularly, or is it? I know some people are a little bit adverse to it. And I, I've always loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I, for the past several years, I 
found myself trying to dig up the the Christmas horror and and make sure I was um, abreast of all that was going on. Now it seems like it's really in vogue, and there are new oh, yeah. Christmas horror things coming out every year. There are multiple ones this year, I know. Um, but it, before it was like, well, you had Gremlins, and then 2015 you got Krampus and uh, the Christmas Horror Story, and mm. there were a couple. There was like rare exports, but there maybe you had a dozen, you know. Uh, it's silent, uh, obviously, silent night, deadly night, those kind of classics as well. But there weren't a lot, is what I'm saying. And now, all of a sudden, I, it seems like they're a fuck done, yeah. And I can't <laughs> help but notice that you did not mention Santa's Slay starring one Mr. Bill Goldberg, and I take that as a personal insult. <laughs> you know um, what? I was re watching that today while I was at work, uh, I had it yeah. on in the background, and that beginning. Scene is so fucking fun. It's one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. Oh, when you you get a Fran Drescher, you get a you get a a James Con for no reason. I uh, for no reason. Yeah, once we you get goddamn Chris Chris Kattan. Exactly. It's just Uh, that chick from Urban Legend is there. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't remember her name. I'm picturing. I I forget her name too because she's also in Scream too. Like she's in. Mm. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Guys, let me reiterate this, and maybe this is the 50th time I've said this. Go watch Santa Slay. You're just you're gonna have a good old time. You're gonna have a good old time. Um, all right, but unfortunately, we're not here to talk about Santa Slay. We already did that. We gave it its whole at whole ep- damn episode one time. We're gonna talk about three other Christmas horror movies here in a hot sec, but a couple of things we gotta do at the top of the show. First of all, uh, if you haven't already, go check us out on the social medias. It's at Halloween is forever or whatever, something similar to that. If you type it in on whatever social media uh, platform, you'll find us on there. It's a little damn pixelated pumpkin guy. As always, if you you know give us a rate and review, give us five stars, say something nice on there, send us a DM and them social medias, I'll send you some fucking stickers in the mail, guys. I, I've, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Um, so if you want some stickers, do that. Also, we'll breeze through this. We usually talk about a lot on the top of the show. And where we're at in this journey that's going to ultimately result in, I would imagine, the end of my life, um, which is uh, <laughs> our our Patreon. And I go to patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. You could support us over there. And one of the things we do is uh, we have a little Patreon exclusive podcast. It's called Family is Forever. And Steve's making me watch all the fucking Fast and Furious movies. Oh, yeah. Um, and it sucks so bad. The show's yeah. fun. I like talking about it. But we were just... Steve and I were just on here early, you know, talking about playing out the rest of the month. And he was like, we do got to do uh, fast six. Right. You know that. Right. And I was just like, oh, I just took the fucking wind out of my sails. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's such a um, emotional drain on me. And, it, if, and you again, rip the, if you rip the bandaid off now, you get to enjoy Christmas later. <laughs> it's a psyop is what it is, guys. <laughs> um, in any case, we're not going to spend too much time on that. Listen to the other podcast. We'll talk about all that shit because we got some fucking business we got to take care of. First of all, has everybody got beers? Any beverages that you want to share? I'm, I'm sipping on one. I guess one. Ooh. Ooh. Brandon, why don't you kick us off? You got a festive boy over there. That's right. Uh, since we're talking about Christmas horror, uh, I wanted to have a festive beer, so I got my annual six pack of Mad Elf from Trogues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am very, I have not, I've been waiting until the beer shout out to take the first sip of the year. Ooh. I have not had one yet. So, 
let's let's all watch Brandon's face. Oh, <laughs> the satisfaction. The satisfaction. I actually I had to- don't really like uh, very many holiday beers, but I think this one is just fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, they do a nice year. job. They do a nice job. I don't know if Trogues makes a bad beer. They're good at they're good at making yeah. beers up over there. It's rare. Um, yes, yeah, Steve, what do you got? So I was, you know, you, you were pretty upset last week with me drinking birthday cake sour. Yeah, because you're a so, monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a upset. birthday cake sour, Brandon. That's the right reaction that you just <laughs> gave right there, which is just oh Christ. Yeah. So you were upset about that. So I figure I'll bring you back. I'll do something nice. Uh, from Hop Farm, I have uh, dude. Where's my car keys? Mm. And it's it's a simple four point eight percent Schwarzbier. Oh, it's Schwarzbier. It's a Schwarzbier. Oh, oh. yeah, it's a Schwarzbier. Yeah. It's a, just hey, it's a nice little roasty guy. Nothing mm-hmm. too much, you know, extreme in one direction or the other. Easy drinking. Just the slightest hint of molasses. It's just a little yeah. nice. That a nice dark warm beer for the uh, uh, winter season here. I would celebrate your progression, but I know that you're going to backslide. Oh, yeah. And you're going to go right back into drinking, you know, fucking gummy worm, fart sour, oh, uh, but, slushy oh. bullshit. Oh, you don't, got, you don't got to worry about that, big dog. I got a Southern Tier Creme Brulee sitting in the fridge, waiting, waiting, that, waiting. That is, uh, that is brownie batter in a goddamn <laughs> bottle, that beer. <laughs> Um, at least it's not birthday cake sour because those are two things that, that should never happen together. There um, are two wolves inside of me. One of them has, <laughs> you know, the, I have a Cinderlands little cinder, which is like their <laughs> lime lager. And yeah. then the other side is I have creme brulee in the same fridge. Yeah. There are two wolves inside of my fridge. I was going to say, one of them, two wolves inside of me, one is a garbage monster and one is a slightly <laughs> more disgusting garbage <laughs> monster. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I'm I'm quite predictable here. Uh, I, I'm drinking, not only am I drinking the same, uh, a beer from the same brewery that I did last time mm-hmm. around, uh, I'm drinking a beer that I think I've drank on the show before. So um, mm. I'm drinking uh, Deutschtown pills from our lovely friends over at burgers uh burgers brewing yeah i, I don't mean, know that you, know. you have actually but maybe really i never did deutschland pills i know yeah. i did cultivar i know i did the Fespian west ups yeah in any case this is probably the one of theirs i drink the most besides maybe cultivar and this is their german pills and it's just like real floral perfumey like sharp you know nice biting bitterness uh crisp nice little grainy finish for that bark of pills and it's just a tasty ass beer. You can cram a whole bunch of them down your gullet and uh, and they keep your attention, but uh, but they don't become burdensome, which is, you know, kind of what I like in a, in, a, in a beer. I like to drink beer in quantity, boys and ghouls, uh, for what that's worth. So that's what I'm getting into this fine, this fine winter's eve. Mm. Um we do have one other order of business we got to get to at the top of the show here before we talk about the some bitchin' movies. We gotta spin that some bitchin' wheel, guys. Yes. Or, January because we're a week late with our our um, showdown episode for December we're already spinning that motherfucking wheel for January so um, for those of you as Steve gets the wheel up there I'll explain this is Secret Satan episode our listeners picked our movies this month but typically what we do is we do this spinning ass wheel it's got about a bajillion different uh, topics on it they could be genres subgenres they could be performers they could be particular themes whatever 
But then uh, what happens is we throw all them on there. We spin it three times. We put those three choices out on the social medias. And then our friends uh, and listeners and, uh, and social media followers will help us pick one of those by voting on a poll. And then we each pick a movie associated with that title or I'm sorry, that topic. And then that's what we uh, we submit uh, and argue about and powerbomb and jackknife uh, each other uh, regarding uh, on our on our showdown episode. So. Steve, why don't you spin that fucking wheel? See what that see what that uh-huh. nasty bugger's got for us for January. Oh, uh-huh. here it goes. Okay. So first one is a category that hasn't won before. Okay. But we keep trying to get it to win, but nobody okay. wants it. Yeah. It is a giallo. Yeah, giallo has been on there a couple times, and I don't know. Hey, New Year. New fear, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe we will get Giallo on there for January, but probably not. So probably let's, not. <laughs> just because people don't seem to like it, which I would love to. And we've done quite a few, uh, not quite a few, but we've certainly done some Giallo flicks uh, yeah. in the past. We've certainly yeah. done some Argento and things like that, but anyway. <gasps> oh, all right, Giallo. Just, oh, it's going to lose, though. I just, found the, I just found the way it loses. You found the winner? What is it? Yeah, I mean, I doubt there's this is going to go to anything else but this one. But the second category is featuring Lance Hendrickson. Ooh, Lance Hendrickson flicks. We've done a couple already. So there'll be a couple things off done the table that we'll have yep. to think about. Um, but boy, ha- yeah, because we've done um, uh, Near Dark. Right. Right. We did, we did the one. We, we did the one with the dang old uh, little space aliens under the ground. Wasn't that Lance Hendrickson? No, oh, no, I'm that's Peter to... Weller, bud. You're thinking of oh, Screamers. That's, that's poor man's Lance Hendrickson, Peter Weller. You're right. <laughs> you don't talk um, about RoboCop like that. I'll fucking get you. I just as soon as I said that, both Steve and Brandon did outraged faces at me. You didn't <laughs> see that at home. Um, no, Peter, I love me some Peter Weller. He's listening. He's no Lance Hendrickson, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, uh, what what are we what are we doing? Um, uh, what's the third one? What's the one that's going to lose to Lance Hendrickson? Also, yeah. So this one, it's a it's a nice category, but it's not going to win because it just isn't. So mm-hmm. maybe another time around. But this one is called Cinema Fatale, and mm. this would be any horror, any horror that's set at the theater. I think this oh. I think this came off of. Brian's love for popcorn and our love for the film The Last Matinee. Yeah. So, yeah, we did. Demons. Demons could be in there. Demones. I like to say that kind of a yinzer. A (laughs) yinzer demones. There's a movie Um, I haven't seen. It's called Porno, and it's all about like demons in a porno theater. I have seen. I believe I have seen that actually. Mm. um, But yes, I love the movie Popcorn. And yes, the we did an episode on. uh, I think that's what inspired it. Like I said, we did the the last matinee, which was a lot of fun. Uh, All right, you know what? We'll see. Sometimes we get surprised, but we definitely seems like there's going to be a front run there, knowing our audience. But you know what? Like I said, we might be we might surprise ourselves. So once again, check out on the social medias, go over there and follow us and keep an eye out for those polls on Instagram and Twitter, because uh, you're going to be able to choose from Giallo, um, Best of Lance Hendrickson and Cinema Fatale, which is going to be, you know, horror movies set in a in a cinema or a theater or something like that. OK, all of that stuff out of the way. Let's get into the flicks. And as we all know, rules around here, guys, to the victor go the spoils. So that means 
your boy gets to choose the order in which we talk about these movies. Let me let's go around the horn here and remind us real quick of what uh, what movies we're each going to be talking about. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to be talking about the film Await Further Instructions from 2018. Steve, what are you going to be talking about? I have Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 from 1987. Right. Brandon, what do you got? Black Christmas, 1974. Yeah, he's got the he's pulling out the big guns here. Now, remember, these were assigned to us by listeners. So this is a little different. Normally, we're the ones picking the movies and we're, you know, insulting each other's intelligence and choices. And and, and it also perhaps a hanging vertical suplex onto tax. That sort of thing will happen. <laughs> in this instance, these movies were selected for us. So it throws a little bit of a different uh, wrench in the cogs here, if you will. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, because Steve's movie, although I enjoy it and is fun, <laughs> it is dog shit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say Steve goes first <laughs> and then uh, and then Brandon, you go in the middle and then I'll bring up the rear. How's that sound? Good. Sounds I don't good. care. That's my judgment. <laughs> and it's final. Um, all right, Steve, uh, kick us off with a little Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Yeah, so I went and saw. Uh, Godzilla minus one earlier in the week. So like, I heard it's tremendous. It's a it's a fantastic film. And like it's literally probably one of the best Godzilla films ever made. That's what um, I heard. The thing is, like, you want to compare it to Shin Godzilla a lot because that was probably like the last best one that was made. Right. But they're different films. Like Shin Godzilla is much more of kind of like the horror of bureaucracy in the face of climate change mm -hmm. whereas Godzilla minus one is like a really personal story that like links one character to Godzilla and they kind of evolve together since this is more or less an origin story hmm. so that character is just like wrecked with survivor's guilt and that's what the entire story is more or less about is just like overcoming your survivor's guilt in front of just like unmounting terror and things that you can't control, which is what Godzilla okay. is. Sure. And All then right. later this week, I saw Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call right. juxtaposition. Hey <laughs> yeah. Look, everybody knows this when movie. When you start a review with look, that's never. <laughs> yeah. When you start a defense, when you, if you're if you're lawyer walks in the court and just goes look, look i saw godzilla earlier this week i'm just a well look i'm just a simple southern lawyer now i'll see i'll see my, I'll my see. client here he's actually two movies in one you can't fault him for that anybody who's familiar with this movie knows the production you know just like nightmare that it was because it, it was just the producers not even wanting to make a second film. They just wanted to recut the original. The director had enough kind of like gumption and just like squeezed enough money out of them to shoot some new stuff. And that's basically all the stuff you get with uh, Ricky Caldwell. Mm -hmm. But like other than that, like half of the film is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One cut yeah. down to its best bits and then you know, remembered by Ricky. And then you get more from Ricky afterwards because he escapes. 
it's it's terrible. It's bad. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, but I'll say we were talking last week about how it's a wonderful knife would make a good kind of background film to have on. Mm-hmm. This is an even better. This is probably the best background film because it has next to no story. And it just <laughs> yeah. has a bunch of violence that you just put on in the background. And you go like, oh, Santa's doing another crazy thing. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's It's not even that it's the best background movie. It's that's the only thing it can be. Yeah. Is kind of the way it is because it's like it's just nonsensical. And it's just really a series of moments. Right. It's like, yeah, because it's the first movie chopped mm-hmm. up and then it's a second thing that mm-hmm. really isn't cohesive at all. Right. But it's, it's just, got great moments. So you could be sitting there having a conversation and be like, Shh, watch what here. He's about to do it. He's about yeah, yeah. to do the bit. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, one of the best uses for this film, I think, is everybody loves to time things with the ball dropping mm. on New Year's. So (laughs) how do you not figure out the time codes for this film to time it? So when it turns into the new year, Ricky's yelling, it's garbage day. (laughs) Garbage day. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great, that's a great move. I like that a lot. Um, I I actually really like the way this movie looks and the first movie too. Yeah. Like they're just grimy and they look a lot older than they are. Yeah. These movies. I mean, they both look uh, and I maybe if you asked him, um, like the director of Christmas Bloody Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. his film is like super grimy and shot on 16 millimeter and everything. Maybe yeah. if you asked him, he would say he took a little bit of inspiration from these films because like they have the griminess to them. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe he was aiming for a little bit of a look that way. But yeah, they don't look terrible. They're just um the, and especially you get a lot more Christmassy stuff because of all the stuff that happens in the first film. All the stuff mm-hmm. that was shot new doesn't feel Christmassy at all. Um, no, not even a little bit. You know, save for the final, you know, 10 minutes of like him, you know, chasing the nun down and killing her. That's a little Christmassy. That's about it. He mm-hmm. doesn't even put that Santa suit on until you're an hour and 15 minutes in and it's an 88 minute movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are. You are in the last minutes of the movie. Um, but I, I mean, I'll be honest with you when Ricky is on screen, I'm watching. Oh, he's compelling. Yeah, he's compelling. (laughs) He's doing, he's chewing the most scenery as a middle of the road actor. Like, like he's not. He's not a good actor. Middle but of he's the a- road is the most generous thing that, I've that ever heard. Nice. In my life. That was nice of you to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to say at all. N- not he's even bottom of the barrel. He's way. he's underneath the barrel, like that, like below the bottom. He's <laughs> dog shit at acting. Brian, I will cite in my client's case if you go back to the Killing Tree and how absolutely dog shit and flat all oh. of them were. The one thing yeah. you can say about the actor, Eric Freeman, is he's never flat. He's always trying. He is never flat. He is a menace. Yes. Yes. He's a menace. He always has some like bit of business he's doing. <laughs> like whether like when it's this it's the simplest thing of the psychiatrist changing over the tape in his recorder yeah. and he's just like new tape huh and he's just like <laughs> just like he does shoots a, every scene you yeah. give this fucking guy a cigarette he'll yeah. give you 20 minutes of gold yes a cigarette <laughs> and a lighter and he becomes terribly threatening 
So like, I've never seen someone smoke in a more menacing way. It's chaotic. Yeah. So you can't, so you can't say he's the worst actor. You can put him in the middle because he just needs refinement into being a good actor, but he has enthusiastic. Yeah. He has instincts of doing stuff. Uh, The lines. I mean, that garbage day line in a script and most people are going to be like what the fuck this yeah. is the most bizarre scene and he just owns it yeah you know? yeah he dropped did 20 push-ups jumped ran onto into frame <laughs> and and delivered it that way yeah, exactly so he put his all at he put his whole ass behind it like very few people could uh nick cage could probably do it better but he would do it very similarly yeah <laughs> You're right. I was going to say Nick yeah. Cage was yeah. born to play this role and he would have, you know, it, it, it would have been. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would I would cut off my thumb to see. That. <laughs> but yeah, the, other than that, it's it just cobbled together scenes. Uh, you know, the, you get you know, you get the best stuff from the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I just wanted to point out one of my favorite edits of that is when Billy's killing people in the stock room and he uh, he shoots the woman with the bow and arrow and just the, the, the hard edit to the nutcracker faces like as she's screaming. Yeah, that's just like yeah. it's genuinely good of like yeah of a whole bunch of bad. That's genuinely yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, the first movie has some uh, I mean, is greasy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it really and truly is. Yeah. I mean, just unpleasant at times, but like a a memorable, memorable movie. So it has some of those elements because it is literally half that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm here for the Ricky one-liners. Yeah. That's that's what I'm here for. Like, yeah. fuck off, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> just, come on. <laughs> well, you're not gonna laugh at that. They're so good and they're so numerous. But I want to I maybe want to turn you guys on to a new one that mm-hmm. kind of goes under the radar. OK, and this this happens after Ricky's escaped and this is in the new footage. But it's uh, when him and Jennifer are walking home or. Yeah, I think they're just walking home, but they're walking together. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer's ex, Chad, is working on his car now. Right. I do. I, I I just like this whole scene altogether because it's right before Ricky just completely loses his mind and you know goes off on the gun rampage. But you know he kills Chad with the jumper cables, which that that's a pretty good model, and that's probably the most money they spent on this film. It's oh, just that easily. guy's head, like that's yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's a third of the budget. Yeah, yeah, it's got to <laughs> be. Um, but you know, so that's a pretty good kill, and then Jennifer confronts him for killing Chad. But Ricky's mm-hmm. just switched. He's gone all off and it, yeah, he's yeah. gone straight to punish mode. <laughs> right. And her realization that he's gone off the deep end <laughs> has her deliver the funniest uh oh that you'll ever hear. <laughs> I have to go That's back right. and hear it. That's right. I vaguely remember it, but I'm not like it, I'm not processing it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like it gets so it gets so buried in Ricky. But it's mm-hmm. the funniest, most cartoonish. Uh oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a little kid who just spilled juice is what the yeah. line delivery is. Uh oh, and it is so fucking funny. And I just I want to turn more people onto that. If I can do that one line. thing tonight, 
That find Jennifer's a, a moral victory. Yeah, yeah. Jan- find- that's a ba- that's a good band name. Find Jennifer's uh oh, <laughs> or at least an album title. Yeah. Um, my favorite one is is a is a call and response here, which is how can you possibly remember all of that? Because I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how you remember things. Typically, like it's just you yeah. explained remembering. Yeah, um, I just you explained a memory to people. But there's this big pregnant pause, like it's a surprise because I was there, and he's talking. That's he's talking about how the parents died, you know. Right. And he's talking to the doctor, obviously. But oh my god, I died that one. Um, or another one I have to throw out is, do you dream, Ricky? <laughs> I don't sleep just big pregnant pauses yeah between it suggests yeah. that he doesn't sleep at all um which is a ridiculous uh comment but i love it yeah i i, I just enjoy the the one thing it's i don't know it's the it, it's kind of okay but the setup for the whole movie is like ricky is telling this doctor his past which is just the first film and then mm. You know, you get you get these intercut interstitials between him and the doctor. I do like the progression. If if it wasn't for the fact that the original film existed and we were just watching something original, mm-hmm. I like the progression that it goes to the scene where he's already choked out the doctor with the recording tape. Yeah. So like I I, I like the progression. It's just the 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 original film exists if we were just watching something you know that didn't exist and it goes oh okay that's kind of cool so yeah. i don't know if they if they ever do do a remake uh a proper one because apparently what there was one in 2012 that was like with malcolm mcdowell oh so that's actually not that bad of a movie okay. um they kind of shoehorned some some backstory in for the the slasher in that one that i think kind of ruins the movie a little bit Mm. if you can ignore that it's not that bad it's worth Mm. checking out um it's very different from silent night deadly night which is i guess why they changed the title right just kind (laughs) of have it be its own thing um but you get a killer santa you get some very good christmasy kills in that Mm. um and the Santa himself looks really fucking scary. The way that he's got this mask with like these black eyes. Oh, okay. So nice. Yeah, I'll yeah. check it. There, there. So I actually have, have never because there's four or five movies in this franchise. Five. Right? Yeah, I have only seen yeah. the first two. I tried to watch that uh, Bill Mosley one, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't get through it. Which one is that? And then there's Mickey. That's number three. Okay. And what Mickey Rooney's number four? And I don't yeah. even know what number five is. No idea. Maybe Mickey Rooney's five. I I don't yeah. know. I, I just remember five <laughs> has a pretty cool, um, uh, uh, like DVD cover, VHS cover. I don't know mm. when it came out, but it oh. does have like a pretty cool poster. Um, but I I've never seen any of the other ones. So. Yeah. Well, apparently three sticks with the story of Ricky. And then four or five and are just in name only. Gotcha. Because like after I finished, oh, we're watching all these on Tubi. And after mm-hmm. two finished, three started and three starts with a woman somehow reliving the events of the first film. 
for 40 minutes <laughs> no just for, i maybe it goes on longer but she definitely they're doing some sort of brain experiment and she's right, right. she's like re, she's somehow reliving something that she wasn't even there for i don't know i didn't i didn't watch it all the way through i was just like uh maybe i don't know <laughs> but you said you couldn't get through it, Brandon, so I don't know if I'll go back I, to it now. No, I, I made it maybe 20 minutes in, and I just found it so boring, mm. honestly. All right. Well, I'm eager yeah. to see if the um, if the characters have the same like thyroid condition they do in this movie, where everyone's eyes are bulging out of their heads at all times. Mm. <laughs> like, between the doctor and Ricky, it looks like <laughs> someone's eyes going to pop out of the socket <laughs> like during see, their conversations. See, I would think Ricky is actually on some sort of experimental steroid, considering how mm -hmm. super strong him and his brother are, because his brother yeah, yeah. is able to hang somebody by Christmas lights and hold them up with one arm. And Ricky's Literally able to hold them up. Yeah. Yeah. And Ricky's able to put an umbrella right through somebody and hold them up on the umbrella. So I just think That's these true. boys are, you know, country yoked. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are just some damn old corn-fed murderers. Um, they have, uh, you know, this was both both of those instances remind me of the 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 moment that I realized no other Halloween movie was actually going to be as good as the first one because I was obsessed with the first one when I was a kid, and then when I finally saw the second one, and Michael Myers is holding a a, a nurse up, one armed by a scalpel, and mm -hmm. I went, wait a second. This is not as good, but it's the second. It's more. It should be better. And my like nine year old brain was like, "How is this not good?" But we get plenty of that in in this. And it really is. There is some some Michael Myers esque elements. I mean, to to this movie and the way they portray Ricky for sure. Except for, um, I guess the obvious difference is that Ricky never shuts the fuck up. Right. Even though he's like a tough guy, he's like, I ain't going to tell you nothing, Doc. Yeah. And he just spills the beans to him about everything for the next 40 fucking minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Just busies himself. He's just doing busy work. Yeah. <laughs> Till he figures out how to strangle him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what else is there to say? Fucking Ricky gets out and he gets revenge on the nun. That was mean to him and his brother in the first film. He fucking harasses a nun in her home while she's all burned up on her face and shit and hits her with an axe and cuts her head off and scares some other nun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to do your job for you. And I certainly don't want to defend this movie in any way. But I did think it was a grave injustice that that nun got to live in that first movie. And it was kind of <laughs> satisfying to see her get what she deserved in this one. Yeah. 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 I mean, I agree. It, if you're going to write, you know, like if you're going to write something new, at least have like something complete and it does tie back to the first film, because I mean, right. all the stuff with Jennifer and Chad and the guys in the theater, that doesn't have shit to do with shit. It's just right. like Ricky's like awakening of like, you know, they, they his uh, mode. Yeah, his punish mode. And that's another that's another kind of great reaction from Ricky in the theater when she finally like he's he's fixated on the trailer and the trailer is going on and is like chaos in this world and this world is full of chaos and violence. And he's like, Hell yeah, dude, I'm into this movie. <laughs> but then he doesn't know what movie they're watching. 
he's just into the trailer and then he's like well what's this movie about and she's like oh it's a santa sleigh killer and he's like oh just like his reaction is so completely shocked (laughs) what it's there's a lot of confusing reactions and and he is just i mean he's just taking direction and trying his best Mm -hmm. but you can it's funny because his emote he emotes he's like super like he's really projecting to the back of the theater kind of mm-hmm. kind of performance. Yeah. But the one thing that betrays him are his eyes. Yeah. His eyes are like his body language, his mannerisms, his language, everything is like I'm all in. But his eyes are going, what the fuck am I doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scene, you know what I mean? Every now and then you, you get these glints of fear and confusion of like am I doing the right thing? Like yeah. Is this what I'm is this how I should be doing it? Well, is this really told, how it's supposed to be? Yeah. And it, maybe it's like a learned response from him of like knowing that he's only going to get one or two takes before they just move on. Like they're not going to mm-hmm. give him 10 takes to figure it out. He gets one or two to nail it and you better figure it out and one of those is going in the film. <laughs> It's going in there. So if you fuck up twice, you got to live with that the rest of your life. So it's just like it's a deer in a headlights. But like I said, just in his eyes, just yeah. in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that honestly is the secret to this incredibly strange performance. Yeah. Because I was like, what is it about this? Because his and I'm like, does he does it never feel like he's making eye contact with the person he's talking to or like. But most of the time he's talking to people who are off screen. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. And then I it hit me. I was like, he's terrified. He is mm-hmm. just confused and scared as a performer. And that's the weirdness that we're all feeling. And that might be that might be part of it is if there's nobody else in the room with him, but camera equipment and the director, like he might not have anybody to work off of, like the other actor in yeah, the scene yeah. might not be there like, it, you know they filmed on a separate day so like he doesn't even know who he's talking to like when he's doing Mm. garbage day i guarantee he probably never even saw that person (laughs) who gets shot with the garbage can (laughs) no and that's why it's like he never you never really feel like he's looking at anybody or anything Mm -hmm. he's just got a thousand mile stare yeah you know every time he's talking but like in a in a, a shifty darting around way yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. He tried his best. I feel for him. Yeah, no, um, he tried his best and yeah. you know, like it delivered something memorable. Like it's lasted, you know, True. you know, almost 40 years now of, you know, people remembering Garbage Day and like think of how many other films just go under the tires and nobody ever thinks about again compared to that. So something you post that meme and somebody's always going to go it's true it is my garbage day yeah (laughs) so it's like saying happy birthday to the internet somebody's birthday you know you got a one in seven chance it's it's any given person's garbage day yeah it's It's my garbage day see today's your garbage day see See? it's garbage day good reminder for everybody that's right (laughs) but yeah unfortunately there's not much else to like pick off the bones of this chicken it's just uh, like you watch it you you get a laugh out of it it's funny it's it's not unwatchable like it's never boring because so much Mm -hmm. of it is just another film condensed to the best parts Mm -hmm. and then when you're not watching that film you're watching somebody else just be like you know incensed into trying to act (laughs) so right 
So it's, let me it's, throw yeah. this out there because I just uh, I read uh, the Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix mm-hmm. uh, back in October, and the main character is based on Linnea Quigley's character in the first movie. Okay, but there is a lot of meta commentary on both movies, um, as well as uh, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, kind of all the main slashers. Um, so if you are a big fan of this movie and its predecessor, you might get a kick out of that book. Oh, that's cool. The final girl support group. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I read the, uh, his, um, uh, my best friend's exorcism, uh, earlier this oh, year. Oh yeah. Which too. they made a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I haven't seen it, but I, I yeah, thought I, we did. It. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did it on the show. Did we not? Did we? I don't I remember a movie that tied around the book that much. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it kind of does that same thing where it like plays off of a lot of like 80s tropes and stuff like that, but specifically around, okay. you know, demonic possession and like a little, it, it goes a little bit into this, the social commentary and stuff around the whole satanic panic thing. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. My, my bad. My confusion. I was thinking about the movie Sorry About the Demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just kind of also could have had the title My Best Friend's Exorcism. Sounds yes, it very easily yeah. could have been that movie. Yeah. 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 But, uh my one final note is there's a little bit of Ricky in that character from the slashing, the final beginning. If you remember <laughs> that movie at all. I remember but, the title. Why can't I remember what the a, movie was about? It's about the baghead killer who just kills all those insufferable New York City people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a comedy. But there's the one mm-hmm. character in that who has like the super dark backstory of people always dying on Christmas around her. And like she, <laughs> yeah. she killed all her, she killed her parents and then they're like, they never found the killer. And then she killed everybody at the orphanage and they never found the killer. And it's, it's always, <laughs> she's always the kid. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. That movie was fun. Yeah. Wasn't that the one where they had the, like the art studio and mm-hmm. it just kept spinning in circles. That was a really fun shot. Too. Yeah. I thought you were going to say <laughs> when you started that, that, this, that, point i thought you were gonna say and my last comment is there's a little bit of ricky in all of us <laughs> like that just, that just sounded like you were gonna deliver like a like an after school special like wrap-up line no the real ricky was the friends we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean i we all have garbage day and we all you know feel the need to punish sometimes but yeah. don't, don't yeah. <laughs> Just try to remember when you're trying to, you know, remember to be empathetic. It's you don't know. It's all it could be that person's garbage. day. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. just remember that. Yeah. Everybody could um, be going through garbage day and you wouldn't know. You wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know. Punish. OK, Brandon, uh, do you want to jump into uh, into your flick? Yeah, I do. Um, obviously, I have it the easiest so you know sorry guys um so for the uninitiated black christmas 1974 situation is that some sorority girls are still in the sorority house some are going home for christmas break some aren't they are getting some obscene phone calls and then girls start going missing Mm. in my mind there's really only one christmas horror movie that is better than this movie and that is gremlins um arguably it is the first slasher establishing many of the tropes that would be 
refined in Halloween, etc. Um, it's got the young victim pool of mostly women, the killer point of view shots, so many creative kills with various things around the sorority house, uh, and then it's got the final girl trope. So it's got that horror pedigree. It's directed by Bob Clark, who also went on to make A Christmas Story in the 80s. So it's got the Christmas pedigree. It also feels very Christmassy with the lights and the carolers just as out there just enjoying the carolers in that one scene. Um, it's not a cheap exploitation film that it very easily could have been in the 70s. You know, it, the cinematography is very artfully done. It's got some beautiful mm -hmm. shots. Uh, the story Yeah, I actually itself, like... Yeah, I uh, not to jump in, but I just I it's the first time I really I've seen this movie probably four times, like maybe three or four times prior to this. Um, and this is the first time, you know, I looked at it through a, a little bit more, um, you know, critical eye. And that's the one thing I noticed today or this time around is how well this movie shot and like Beautiful. actually some really great camera movements and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Like it's it's. I didn't I know there were certain things I saw for the first time that I didn't love. And then there was other things that I kind of ha developed a little newfound respect for. And that was definitely one of them. Yeah. A lot of, you know, this is um, I guess this kind of goes along with the cinematography and I hadn't noted this, but I feel like the lighting in it is very well done, too. You know, that's something mm -hmm. that I feel like um, we've lost a little bit in the digital age. Uh, mm -hmm. I People have probably seeing the comparison between the um, Halloween ends shot with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers in the background versus uh, a similar shot in 1978 and the lighting that you can see the, the between those two shots has really fallen, um, fallen apart. And yeah. that's something that you see in this movie too. Like there's really attendant to how they're going to like the shot, especially in those scenes where you're really only seeing the silhouette of the killer mm -hmm. um and that kind of adds to the beauty of of what you're seeing on, on the screen yeah just to yeah. just to add add to that like a lot of these films especially in the 70s use predominantly like well not even predominantly but they make use of natural lighting so mm -hmm. like i'm thinking one of the specific shots in this film is we're inside the attic uh, we're looking at Claire as her you know face has been covered with a bag and it looks out the window onto the street as like I think some of the other girls are leaving the house for the day. So like you're getting predominantly natural light coming in on that and they're just letting it you know they're, they're letting everything exist as is where you know so many of the films today are just on a sound stage with a green screen and they control Maybe. everything but also they control nothing because there's nothing for them to bounce light off of. There's nothing for reflections. Everything is done in this flat manner so they can easier mix background elements that aren't there when they put them in later. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad, tired, like way of doing film. Uh, but I think a lot of, independent film still doesn't do that you know independent film still that's does true. that's true so it, it's it's just in that I mean, you mentioned christmas bloody christmas yeah. you know and and how kind of like how much of a throwback that feels like mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and that's one of the things uh, i noticed watching that too even the lighting of that is not the same as you would get from halloween ends right? yeah, not 
No, not at all. That's so bathed in neon, like (laughs) to a to a gross point. But even like insane, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But even like the on the street shots of that film are like there's a lot of natural light, and then they just put up lights, you know, down the town, and you're you're using these crazy neon Christmas lights to kind of light the path for the characters. So yeah, yeah, that's a great scene. But obviously, this film has just you know that the the pedigree it is the pedigree for a christmas story of like bob clark you know just really understanding how to shoot for christmas even though mm-hmm. i'll say most of what this film's story revolves around doesn't revolve around christmas it's not a like it happens no, at it christmas doesn't really play into it yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't despite the you know there's plenty of christmas imagery it really doesn't play into to the story um, too much at all which listen as a christmas horror movie i got it i got to dang it i got to dang it it doesn't have anything to damn do with christmas <laughs> but the atmosphere the atmosphere <laughs> is there the atmosphere is there i i and and there's christmas music although there is not much of a sound like there's not much of a score weirdly enough to this movie like a lot That's of it true. is, is yeah. silent which which i don't know if i would like prefer it i mean because it does add to a degree of like realism i guess yeah um but i wonder if i if i would like it more with i i don't honestly don't know i i like it as is because then it it makes like the sound design when it does happen is really meaty and just forward so like i like the silence to when you get like either a sound effect you know, can like really break the silence or sometimes it's just like the, the what's become now common, like straining of strings, you know, Mm -hmm. both of, both of those things just break the silence. And so like, I think it's a really effective use that way. Like, I don't think I completely agree, but also the, the phone ringing, like the phone ringing is such a big Mm -hmm. part of the terror. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when you have that silence and then all of a sudden it's broken by that old, Telephone, right, right yeah it jolts you yeah so yeah I, th- I think the i think the soundtrack being more stripped down is better i like it that way the uh the one thing i i noticed this time as well um that i don't know if i did like is uh i didn't remember how many off-screen kills there are mm. there's almost mm-hmm. all with the exception of probably the most iconic kill or a couple of the most iconic kills most of the kills are off screen and it's not that I am like, uh, show me all the guts and stuff like that. But it's like, there's a couple of them that, um, that you're just like, what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like it just made it, it just made it feel a little cheaper, a little lower budget. Um, which is fine. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a, uh, you know, blood and guts kind of gore, gory movie, but I, I was, I guess if you would have asked me before this watch, how many off screen kills it had, I've been like, oh, maybe there's one. I can't really remember, but it's like, I think the majority of the the kills are off screen or partially off screen. Yeah, which you can't like. Uh, you, you may be feeling the need to say, oh, hey, but Bob Clark, you know, wasn't really doing that. But the thing is, he was because he had done Children mm-hmm. Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. So, yeah, which was like a gory zombie movie, you know, not yeah. gory, gory by like what 70s, early by 70s. 70s yeah, 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 yeah. 
But yeah, it was a freaking zombie movie. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, you know, he knows he knows what he should have been doing. You could have put a little extra in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he was definitely trying to go a little bit more uh, uh, Giallo influence as opposed to like Romero um, influence. Maybe mm-hmm. it feels a little bit yeah. more Argento than it does Romero. Um, uh, and, and maybe that's why he thought it needed to be. You know, and and even down to the like, and now this was just the seventies, so you don't know if this was on purpose or not. But like the bright red giallo-y blood, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the way certain things are shot, where it's like frame it and then fast zoom. You know what I mean? Like the the you know one of the end scenes when you know they have uh, oh Jess down in the basement and the she had beat the boyfriend to death and he's laying on her lap kind of thing. And they do that like, dun, dun, you know, zoom yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Felt very, uh, giallo-y. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, it does feel like an early kind of take on giallo, especially cause you never see the killer. You see mm-hmm. a lot of POV from the killer. Uh, mm-hmm. the heavy breathing is very giallo. So like, you know, because I mean, that's what you open the film with is just like just disgusting, heavy breathing, climbing in a window like that's yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. But it's also yeah, yeah. It's, it's very giallo. We're not going to reveal things. So and yeah. at this point, like we're saying, you got to remember in context, it is 1974. So he doesn't have much other like he doesn't have anything competing against him aside from like Mario Bava, you know, and and Argento doing whatever they're doing. Uh, American mm-hmm. audiences don't have, you know, that kind of framework that they could compare this to something else like we do now. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw, I guess, mm-hmm. but this would have been being made but simultaneously. It come out and, you know, how many people had seen it at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that wouldn't have been like a, it didn't establish the genre necessarily at the right. time, right? Um, yeah, it would. They would have been made, made, you know, most likely simultaneously, right? Yeah, right. And uh, town that dreaded sundown before this, because that was. I think that was seventy two. Mm-hmm. I want to say seventy six. Um, actually, that's also like a. So it was after. 70, oh, oh so it was after. after. Oh, I thought it was yeah. before. Also, that's a weird police procedural right, for yeah. half of it for some yeah, reason. I'm just saying it's that's a fucking strange movie. <laughs> and then you know Stuart Gordon's fucking. Yeah, or uh, of course, yeah. So, or not, not Stuart Gordon. Not Stuart Gordon. Uh, you know, what I mean, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Stupid yep, yep. Gordons from the seventies. Ain't nobody use that name Gordons. no more. <laughs> Quit it. <laughs> but yeah, Herschel Gordon Lewis has a lot of stuff that's, I mean, slasher e, but it's also procedural as well. So yeah. What What do you guys think about the the? <laughs> it, it feels like Bob Clark took some you know because bob clark also did porkies yeah and and obviously christmas story is is a is a comedy family comedy kind of thing and baby geniuses (laughs) baby geniuses of course no he did baby geniuses and baby geniuses too what the baby geniuses Bob, bob clark has like a trajectory that you can tell where like he stopped I mean, like, I did, George Miller did Happy Feet, right? Exactly. Like, That's what I was about to say. Like he does, he has a trajectory of like George Miller, but like you can tell, like he does all this kind of edgy stuff of Porky's and these you know monster movies, and then just like as he ages, he just starts doing like a lot of family stuff. It's like 
you know, the, a, a Christmas story is that hard break where he starts mm-hmm. doing he starts doing more middle of the road stuff, isn't doing edgy stuff. And then afterwards, he's just like doing baby geniuses and fucking all kinds of <laughs> I think he did. Did he do karate so dog? Weird. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't even want to know. Karate <laughs> I'm, I'm dog. Avoid his IMDb page. <laughs> he actually did the sequel to the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure. Oh yeah, Halloween Great Halloween Puppy Adventure too. Um, anyway, yeah, the Karate uh, Dog TV movie 2005. Karate dog. Wow, <laughs> the Karate Dog. Oh man. Um, all right. Well, here here we go. Uh, uh, oh, actually, you know what? One, one thing I wanted to bring up here I was going to mention is, and this isn't a dig. You know, I, I like this movie. Mm-hmm. But and what I was getting to was when you have this movie that has like, it, it's the voice on the phone is so fucking creepy, mm-hmm. right? There's some pretty nasty scenes, you know, obviously pretty disturbing shot. They keep going back to with the, you know, with the plastic bag over over the 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 murdered girl and all this stuff. Um, It feels like a lot of the humor was shoehorned in pretty hard (laughs) to the point where and I like let, you know, give me some levity in this type of movie, but like. I'll give you my my main example. The dad who comes to find his murdered daughter. We as an audience know that his daughter has been brutally murdered. Yes. Um, but they make him like a, a dang old silly goose. Mm-hmm. Uh, uptight, you know, school marm type of character. He is. And then you've. He is. He is the boss coming over for I Dream of Jeannie dinner. A hundred percent. He's coming through great. the door of like, oh no, there's a whole bunch of hijinks in the kitchen. We can't let him see it. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah that's exactly what's going he's on. He's the uptight boss, the uptight, you know, business. But yeah, but he's he's been in this instance, he's the father of murder daughter. Right. <laughs> which is like a little bit of a weird juxtaposition. And then you have the the whole kind of little like weird almost buddy comedy-ish type of thing with hit with him and the 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 house mother right the alcoholic foul mouthed house mother who's trying to cover up all the naked pictures yeah and it's all funny and it's good and even the stuff that doesn't include them like the bit about uh the bit about fellatio mm-hmm. you know the call sign fellatio yeah, yeah, I mean, um margot kidder's character is also very funny yeah yeah, yeah. oh she's great barb barb's great I heart um, i have a hard time believing that she's in college though i think she's just like a lost barfly she she got it too, does feel like that she got too many jokes and experience she's, uh, she's a, yeah, she, a fourth year senior you know okay she's yeah. someone's dad's she's someone's dad's girlfriend she, like she's a van wilder around <laughs> yeah exactly. really um anyway uh it just feels it feels jarring when you're like who's this silly guy with the glasses oh he's his daughter was murdered and he doesn't know it mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just it's a weird juxtaposition is all i'm saying yeah yeah no it's it is weird how like this film is like the opposite of halloween in a lot of ways and Mm. it has kind of this meanderingness about it because in halloween michael myers is stalking he's actively stalking laurie as well as her friends the killer Mm. in this film isn't stalking he like he exists in the attic as like a trap or a wild animal 
And like once yeah. you discover it, he springs himself on you. But like other than that, mm-hmm. he doesn't move too much until he goes to kill Barb. Uh, so like he just kind of sits and meanders. And so that leaves you. You can't sit in the attic the whole fucking movie. So you got to <laughs> you gotta just got to follow all these kind of side stories of the Barney Fife police sergeant. And, you know, <laughs> they're doing uh, they're doing the search party for the, the missing girl. And so, like, you got all this other stuff you got to follow. And feed, feeding children booze. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and cursing at kids. It's, it just ha- it has I this know, like it's oddly compelling. It's, it you, is. You well, it feels it. like you Animal House. It, you know. Yeah. It's got this Animal House mm-hmm. quality to it. It's got that Animal House sensibility to it. Where like Animal House, if you think about it objectively, is a horrible move. Like it is so rapey Hot-wise. and so weird. I and love so, that too. Yeah. But it's just like it is. It's just got a such a funny back in the day quirkiness to it, mm-hmm. and they're just really honing in on that in this movie. You know, to a similar degree. Yeah, there's a there's a scene that like sticks out like a sore thumb, and it's Peter doing his piano recital at the conservatorship or whatever they would call it. <laughs> He's so sweaty, but it sticks out so much because why are we focusing on this third tertiary character? They don't even like. It's like in a more modern movie, they would be intercutting his piano recital with something dramatic. Or, you know, like people like searching for that kid or they would find something in her cut. But no, we just exist in this scene of him doing his little recital and like being all sweaty and crazy. And it doesn't like it doesn't really mean anything. It's just something you watch happen. You go, oh, OK, I guess I guess that's the well, scene. I guess they were trying to they were trying because they, they were setting him up. Obviously, he is the red herring. Right. Right. So, yeah, like, exactly. I guess they were trying to set him up for like he's this is one of the things that. You know, he's been under so much pressure, he's cracking, and that's why he is, uh, you know, disassociating and turning into a fucking weird pig pig snout snorting <laughs> killer. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I took it the same way, that, that that was supposed to further cement the idea in the, the viewer's mind that, oh, is it Peter? Because, look, he's, mm-hmm. he's unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 there to do that. But like, I just like I was saying, a more modern movie would intercut it with something else. You wouldn't just. Yeah, it would have mm-hmm. been a little more graceful instead of us just all stand there staring at him. Flop sweating. Right. Of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got to say two things I love about this movie uh, that, that I've written down and they are just completely just like anecdotal little things. But it's got one of the greatest taglines of all time. Which is if it doesn't make your if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. <laughs> How great! That's just such a fucking great tagline. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a better tagline out there. That's just perfect. We'll have to um, do a tagline then, showdown. <laughs> oh, tagline showdown! That's a good idea. Um, that, that one's so good. And then Barb's line when she's getting off the phone with her mom, who's like obviously going to hang around with her boyfriend, <laughs> and you and you and there's so much character development without too much explanation right early in the movie they do a really really good job of that but it's like uh <laughs> so you get this feeling just from their conversation her body language that her mom you know she's kind of the way she is because her mom is probably an alcoholic as well Not like too dissimilar you, they never say that you just get that feeling right so it's like this vicious cycle type of thing and she goes 
Margot Kidder's character, uh, Barb goes, you're a real gold plated whore, mother. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a great insult. Like I'm going to start, you need to start using that around just, just in my life, you know, it's just to the dogs, you know, (laughs) you're a real gold plated whore. (laughs) It's great. It's great because also, I mean, like you're saying one, that scene is all one sided. We never hear her mother. So we get it. it, It's Margo has to sell everything in that scene. But the other side of that is usually if you call your mom a gold plated whore, you're in a lot of trouble. However, when she does it, they make ski plans afterwards. So it's just like (laughs) it's just how the relationship is like. It's nothing new. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah. But it also at the same time, like, obviously, it just bums her out to no end that like. Mm-hmm. that had no effect but now she also has to go on this fucking ski trip and just like it ruins every christmas for her <laughs> yeah yeah uh well i did want to comment on the cast because i do think that the cast is phenomenal you <laughs> know we talked about margot kidder and we've got john saxon who went on to do a nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we've got olivia hussey who is absolutely fantastic um yeah I don't know, uh, Steve, you might remember that uh, in Mrs. Pirock's class in eighth grade, we watched Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and uh, I totally saw her side boob in that movie and had a crush on her for years. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the infamous Romeo so and Juliet great. film. Because <laughs> then they just um, they just recently came out and had like went to court with them over that too, like Olivia Hussey and I think the I, the actor for Romeo. I think that's true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They just sued Uh, the producers. So (laughs) perverts. (laughs) Sorry, Olivia, that I was objectifying you as a 13 year old boy. Um, I think you get a pass at that age. It's just like, (laughs) I can't help it. I'm all full of hormones. I don't know what I'm doing. I saw a boob. They showed me a boob in school. It was crazy. (laughs) Right. I know. It blew my mind. Um, But I do want to, want to comment on, um, I got a couple of notes, but one of the things that I want to say is that the not knowing who the killer is, it it just, I think, really makes this work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's why the 2006 remake does not work at all. All that shitty backstory. It's just so stupid. Uh, The way that it's it's mysterious. You hear this stuff on the calls about Billy and Agnes, but you don't know what the hell that means. And. The movie does not tell you. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so many horror movies in the last 20, 30 years would come up with some stupid ending that would tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that it doesn't tell you, you think it's Peter, Jess thinks it's Peter, and then at the end, the phone is ringing is just, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, and. This is I I do appreciate the ambiguity, too. And I know some people, especially modern viewers, like really, really hate that a lot. Like, I think a lot of people not I don't think necessarily like genre nerds do, but I think like the general public does tend to hate that. And that's why people are scared to do it uh, for obvious reasons. But did you guys take and this is the first time I read it this way and I might be wrong, but at the end. So they leave Jess upstairs. Everyone, you know, the 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 murdered uh, girl, one of the murder girls, dad, the, the dorky guy, he passes out, you know, all these things are happening. And then she just ends up getting left in the room by herself. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you hear the breathing and then you go from outside the house and the phone rings 
And I never made the connection till earlier until this time that the phone rings after he kills somebody. Oh. And so he, I think th- the way I took it this time is that that's meant to mean that he killed. He has just killed Jess. Oh. And now he's calling. Hmm. I so in preparation for tonight, I actually had read that somewhere and mm. It, I had never thought about that either. The fact that exactly what you just said is that the calls come every time he kills somebody. I don't want that to be true because I want Jess to survive, mm-hmm. but it would be a pretty brilliant move to do that and not like to leave it ambiguous mm-hmm. as to whether yeah. she even survived. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the, idea. you know, I was kind of thinking at this time and then I went and read up about it a little bit and it is something that other people. So, so I'm certainly not the first person to, to ever say that there's tons of people who said that, but at, the one thing that I did that did solidify it for me too. Cause then I was like, well, he didn't kill anybody after the, the first call or before the first call, but he did. Cause they mentioned there was like a 13 year old girl right. in the park or something. Like yeah. That. Right. So, yeah. But, Anyway, I, that was the first time that I made that connection because um, I actually paid attention to like the ending. You know, I knew what the ending was, but it was like, you know, again, this is usually a movie I watch like atmospheric movie. It's like a background movie a little bit for me. But yeah. It's the first time I feel like I actually paid close attention. <laughs> Active watching. <laughs> yeah, I actually I feel like I this was the first it was almost felt like the first time in a way. Another uh, note that I wanted to make um, was uh, the feminist themes that are in this movie, which is not necessarily horror strong suit in general, although that's changed in the last few years, I think, but it's got these strong female characters who don't just easily fit into stereotypes, which could have been very easy to do with a movie like this. Um, And the lead woman is somebody who's planning to have an abortion. And even though the film, made in canada like roe v wade had literally just happened that couldn't be an accident and it wasn't necessary to have that be such a major plot point but it is and it adds this realism and this relevance um it could it was very it would have been very easy to make her you know the trope of the virginal final girl didn't exist yet Mm -hmm. but it was still the 70s i mean it still could have been very easy to make her much more innocent. Right. And they, they didn't do that. And in, instead she's somebody who had sex. She got pregnant. She's handling it. Um, so I, I just thought the way that they dealt with those themes was really, really ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's an interesting like exchange that I noted just because it like, it sticks out. So it sticks out like a sore thumb, especially against today with the way a lot of people talk about abortion is when they're doing the whole kind of phone tag between the police and Jess and like the, the killer's calling, but also Peter's calling and like Peter puts in that call where he's just like, don't hurt the baby. You're going to kill the baby. Don't hurt the baby. And like Mm -hmm. the call after that is between Jess and Lieutenant Fuller and Fuller says, well, why would he call it a baby? That's a strange way to put it. And he's like, it's just he. Oh, man. Yeah. He points out in a way he's like, you would have to be psychologically unbalanced to think it's a baby at this point. And it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's why I mean, that is that is that's the way people. That's how it was forever until like the moral majority <laughs> decided that they were going to use that to turn right wing, uh, <laughs> you know, 
Catholic people right wing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when they invented evangelicals yeah, in 1989. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, guys. Uh, that's it's a whole it's a whole sad thing that happened. Unfortunately, yeah. I have to turn turn yeah. turn things uh, too too dark. But yeah. But yeah, it was it felt pretty progressive mm-hmm. in that in that way overall. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny cuz you were Brandon you were mentioning how like, you know, the 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 virginal character was actually the first one to die, Claire. Cuz she was the one who didn't drink. Yeah. She didn't yeah. drink, she didn't have she was only kind of dating the guy, the hockey player Chris. Uh, you know, obviously her dad was the one who's very uptight and everything, so like, yeah, she was the first mm-hmm. one to go. Like, yeah. She wasn't. She wasn't You're allowed like to subverting a trope that didn't even exist. Exactly. Yet, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun in that way. But I don't know. Overall, I enjoy the movie, and obviously, we've talked about how we knew this was going to be a favorite going in. So I don't know what to say else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my my little my little uh, end spiel was that uh, Black Christmas was doing the slasher before slashers were a thing. It was doing holiday horror before holiday horror was a thing. And it does it all very artfully with strong characters, clever kills, and a big red bow of Christmas cheer. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah, it, this movie didn't have to be this good, right? Right. That's what I always think about. It didn't have to be this good. Uh, I think when, you know, people just thought like, oh, okay, it's kind of exploitation now. But it's it's a lot more than that. It's really pretty uh, artfully done yeah i'll say brandon though you can thank dan who's our patreon subscriber he's in the discord right now listening in on the episode you can thank him because he's the one that said anybody but brian can do black christmas so you he's the reason why you got this film (laughs) uh well thank you because i could not have uh i could not have defended either of the other ones (laughs) well here's the thing dan's mad because i made everybody watch uh, the Great Halloween Puppy Adventure, a.k.a. a magic puppy, a.k.a. Uh, a Halloween puppy from 2012. Um, and sometimes you just got to take your medicine. Did you really yes, do sure, that? Yeah, yeah, sure. It sure is and sure did. Um, <laughs> so. All right. Uh, that was Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, well, Brian, can I make a plug? Can I make a plug? I got a thing. Sure. Um well, I just want to say, um, so in 2019, there was a third Black Christmas. Um, I wouldn't quite call it a remake, uh, but it was, uh, for anybody who even paid attention to it, it famously bombed. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody went out to see it, and everybody who even knew about it complained about it. Uh, but I think it's actually criminally underrated. I think it's a really solid PG-13 slasher. It's very much a, quote, oak movie and if that's not your thing (laughs) don't watch it because it's Mm -hmm. very intentionally doing that uh but i think that sophia to call uh really draws on a lot of those feminist threads and themes that were in that original to reimagine a different of story um that has a similar premise that tells a totally different thing so <laughs> um, you know, that's so I just want to say that people should check that out. I don't think like it, it didn't deserve the ridicule or shrug that it got. Uh, 2006, don't fucking watch that movie. That movie is fucking <laughs> garbage. But this now the 2019 was. Good. 
I've, I've seen 2006. It was, it was dog shit. You are, and, and I, I, I'm not saying this to be a smart ass. You're the first person I've heard to say something good about the 2019 one, which makes me want to watch it because I just wrote, I just wrote it off as, as just dog shit because it's 2006 was dog did. shit yeah. and people did. Um, but you're the first person I've heard that said, give it a chance. And you know what? I'm going to give it a chance now. So I, I appreciate that because it, I, I watched it twice. I watched it when it came out and I just watched it in the last couple of weeks and I was like, oh yeah, I, I really enjoy this. This is fun. It's P. PG-13, mm. so it's not, yep. you know, bloody and shit. Um, but the way you know, the characters are strong and, and well-developed, and it just, it's doing this thing with, like, literal toxic masculinity, and um, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty solid. So, yeah. and it has some surprises and twists based on, you know, you go in thinking about the original, and it's very much not the original, and it pales in comparison. It's not as good as the 74. <laughs> But mm-hmm. um, but some of the expectations that you have, knowing the '74 original, it turns those on its head, and that's clever. So, I think it's yeah. worth a watch. You know what? You've convinced me. I'm going to check it out. I'm I'm. Uh, it pops up all the time, and I just go immediately past it. I don't even consider it. So, uh, it's on it's, Netflix right now. Uh, hmm. I'm going to check that son of a bitch out. See, now I'm excited to watch the 2019 Black Christmas. That was something <laughs> I never thought I'd say. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in, guys. Saving the best for last. <laughs> um, I will say though, listen, and I, I we I feel like we've kind of conceded at this point because we know Brandon's got the best movie. But I will tell you, I was pleasantly surprised by my movie. So was I. Uh, I will honestly say that yeah. I went in with very low expectations. I never even heard of this movie. It got Dang. pulled out randomly as, as a suggestion. A great from 2018. Feel like it would have been on my radar. It's a British production. I got to assume that's the only reason like we didn't really see much of it. And I was really pleasantly surprised by it. It's called Await Further Instructions from 2018. And like I would I would genuinely suggest this movie to to anyone who likes, you know, obviously like horror, holiday horror, sci-fi horror, uh weird fiction type of horror too. Like it's it's really it's really um feel felt a lot to me like a um almost like a it could have been like a like a richard matheson short story or something like that you know Mm. what i mean it was like this weird this weird um like odd scenario that somebody's been put in it's just like let's put humans in this like weird little hamster wheel of a scenario and see how they see how they fare you know um so uh, it's a little bit of a, of a difficult concept, so I'll try. I'm not going to go plot point by plot point or anything, but the, I'll first read the, the plot synopsis. Um, a family's Christmas takes a strange turn when they awake to find themselves trapped inside and begin receiving mysterious instructions through the television. That is it's a great great stops but it doesn't nearly explain how weird the whole thing is and why they're tra- or how they're trapped there and then the, the you know we'll we'll get deeper into the, the messages that they're they're talking about here but first of all i, I do want to say this director who i was not familiar with has the uh, and the gentleman um has since passed he passed away in, in 2020 and he's still in his 40s he's a pretty pretty young guy oh, um but um johnny kevorkian 
Yeah. Interesting name. So his literal name is could be Jack Kevorkian. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he didn't go by Jack for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, I also I also think he just kind of took that name on. Like, oh, you think it's like a it's a ring name? Yeah. Yeah. It's kayfabe. Yeah, I think saying? I think it's really? a gimmick name. Yeah. Really? Well, because I, I tried to look in more into it. Right. And mm-hmm. if you go under his profile on IMDb, they say yeah. his uh, they say his two parents are Levon and Satnig, and that's actual Jack Kevorkian's parents, who would have been. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, he... <laughs> what? Somebody, lists, somebody <laughs> listed on his IMDb. Maybe he didn't do it, but somebody did. Listed actual Jack Kevorkian's parents. And yeah. they, like, Jack Kevorkian was born in the 20s, and this guy was born in the 70s, meaning... His parents would have been like way over fifty to even have, <laughs> like the math. The math don't math, my man. Unlikely. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I wonder if that was somebody being a smart ass or confusion right, or something. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I, who knows? Um, but but quite an unfortunate name, either on purpose or, or not. I don't know. Don't trust the internet um, is basically what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we, that's what we've learned here. Don't touch trust the internet. Um, don't believe what you read on a screen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. There, there's not m- very many n- no characters here. I, I mean, you know, maybe some people that you saw a couple times here and there. Um, the only person that I immediately recognized. Uh, David Bradley, um, who's in a lot of things, including pretty much uh, a number of the Harry Potter movies as as Argus Fitch or Filch, rather. My kids are reading all the Harry Potter books with them right now. So that's like very top of mind. So I literally just saw him because we like read a book, watch the movie, read a book, watch the movie. And then he's in pretty much like all the Edgar Wright movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Game I recognize him right away. Is he in Game of Thrones, too? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've not seen not seen the Game of Thrones, so I miss oh. all the cultural references associated with that. Um, I want to, and we've talked about this before. I just I can't. It's too daunting to start <laughs> something that like that many seasons and that much. But it's going a lot on. to know that it kind of ended ends shittily. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like so. it's like it took me forever to watch The Sopranos because yeah. I was like, I just I got too much of it, you know, just through yeah. the zeitgeist, right? I'm with um, you there. I, I haven't watched it for the same reason. Sopranos. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, so like I said, a British production starts with this family um, or actually starts with a couple, Angie and Nick, and they're going to meet uh, Nick's family. Uh, I'll cut you through some of the, 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 the social horror aspects of it here, but Nick's family are all pretty much, exclusively racist shit bags um <laughs> gramps his granddad is a real piece of work um her sis his sisters is is a goddamn monster um which yeah. we come to learn uh her d-bag husband like he's just he's more of just like a hapless dipshit really more than anything they're, and then you've got them i was gonna say like they're all dullards including nick Mm-hmm. But like, it, but also just specifically, Kate and Granddad and Tony are also racist, so they're all dullards. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes. you know, Angie would have broken up with Nick after this event. <laughs> That's the yeah. thing I kept thinking is like <laughs> Nick just got lucky, and that he's like 
good looking and then found like a good looking <laughs> smart uh you know girlfriend to take him out of this nonsense um but uh but yeah so they yeah you're right he's a dullard as well they all just seem to be absolute dipshits um mom their mom um is kind of is one of these people that like you feel you feel for her you have empathy for her because she's you know been married to this absolute shit bag for so long and in this family but like she's guilty by association a little bit too yeah, and then the an dad, enabler yeah know, oh she's an enabler for sure um and then um she's just like you know everyone's out in the living room being racist and she's like i'll make sandwiches you know that's kind of her role um and then I know being racist makes my boys hungry. Um, so <laughs> they get so them slurs and they the work up a mighty appetite. <laughs> a mighty, mighty appetite. But the dad is a real piece of shit. He's a real piece of work. We'll, we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but they have this very awkward interactions early on. And the dad is like the tries tries to be this like almost authority, authoritarian type. But you learn pretty quickly that he's really trying to overcompensate because of you know the horrible way he was raised and the 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 uh, the you know gramps is his father and he has quite a, a hold over him uh you know psychologically so a lot of cryptic shit starts happening in the news there's rolling you know blackouts or something that you don't really know what's happening and then you know big argument breaks out they decide they're going to leave in the morning but in the middle of the night or you know early in the morning like before dawn right and when they get up before dawn to go outside they open the door and they realize there is this giant, I would argue, almost like a cocoon type of thing, um, completely encompassing the house. And it looks to be made of some sort of black, fibrous, perhaps metal cord type of thing that's like covering the house or some sort of like perforated, not perforated, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, corrugated almost type of uh plastic or, or black metal surface that's it it just but it but it seems weirdly wet i don't know it's, mm-hmm. it, it, maybe not i don't know maybe that's just me um the only uh, the only things that are kind of different about it are one there is a little slot in the middle of the surface when you open the front door and then the windows seem to have a some sort of like pipe into them um assumedly to to put something in through the pipe you know um so they're like what the hell's going on they're freaking out dad comes down um hey what's going on oh this must be some sort of quarantine there must be some sort of um uh terror he immediately goes terrorist attack and they've already pretty explicitly you know talked about how they're you know uh, Islamophobia, which they also is she's Indian, Angie, which they just, you know, of course, group brown people together because they're uh, racist shitbags. Um, but they but they're also talking about, you know, how it was probably, you know, terrorists from the Middle East and all this type of stuff. So a um, lot of tensions flaring. Dad just decides we are going to. um uh, you know, we're just going to ride it out because this is obviously some sort of emergency protocol. The TV there's on the screen, it says stay indoors and wait further instructions. So they're just like, oh, I guess that's what we're going to do. Dad decides they're going to celebrate Christmas anyway. A bunch of wacky shit happens there. The TV then tells them all your food is contaminated. So throw it away. And dad 
is blindly following anything that's on the TV. That becomes a thread pretty early. And everyone else is just defaulting to dad because, you know, dad dad knows best kind of thing in this situation. But you start to see the facade of dad's kind of leadership start to crack as well um, and see that he's being, you know, pretty heavily influenced by Gramps, who, like I said, you know, is kind of, you know, we come to learn was like an abusive piece of shit. Yeah father to him and so it's kind of this generational trauma thing that's happening <laughs> the, the, grand, um, the grandpa is basically like a big racist version of the emperor from star wars just the way like he's always sitting <laughs> yeah. in the chair just clasping the sides of the chair and then like he's just whispering shit in tony's ear and then just afterwards just like giggling to himself about like all yeah, the dude. all the Ooh, havoc he's dude. causing he's like eh, i'm going to say something racist now <laughs> yeah he's like he's the only character maybe the sister a little bit mm-hmm. but it is full on cartoonish yeah, yeah. like he 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 yeah. seems like it's like he's Roger Rabbit and everybody else is live action characters a little right. bit um but it's it's uh, anyway, you know, you, you definitely hate him. But then also he's like kind of a little bit funny at times. And I don't know. Anyway, so um, yeah. It, yeah, it's very it's just very exaggerated. It, it's funny because he's just such like I'm sure we all know somebody like that to a point. And it's just a character that mm-hmm. like if he was really speaking like that, you would just shake them. Like, cause they're, they're yeah. enfeebled. You just grab their wrists and shake them a little bit and like do a little, do a little <laughs> elder abuse and say, don't do that. <laughs> I was going to say, if there's one thing Steve knows, it's how to deal with the elder. Yeah. That's how yeah, I, that's how I say. Just shake them. <laughs> just shake them a little bit. <laughs> well, credit Jet to David Frank. Bradley too, mm-hmm. you know, as an actor, like he knows how to deliver those right. lines in a way that's kind of funny, even though you're like, ah, oh, you're saying the worst stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Like it, it makes it it makes it bearable to watch. Like you're not just watching right, actual racism. Exactly. You're just like, ah, okay, it's yeah. it's like silliness in there. Yeah, he's just like a grizzled old shit. Bag, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Again, a lot of friction happening amongst the family. Generally, Nick and Angie versus the rest of the crew. Mom is the you know peacekeeper at best. We get another uh, 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 message that's decontaminate yourself, strip and scrub with bleach, which they immediately do. Um, You know, they do go off into different, you know, areas of the house and are, you know, cleaning each other. But you get some pretty grimy shots of grandpa just just scouring his old balls. (laughs) I was not ready for his asshole. Yeah. it's 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 really a scene that it's just it's fortifying the idea that they're going to do whatever um, they're going to do whatever he says. Yeah. But here's when, you know, things ratchet up here. So a bag of syringes comes down the chimney. Now, you got to remember, this is 2018. So this is obviously pre pandemic. But this movie definitely reads different before mm-hmm. and after the pandemic. Um, in this case, the, the ultra conservative, you know, folks are like uh, are, are just blindly following the, the media. And there's a big theme if you haven't picked it up already it's uh you know obviously the idea of you know people's brains being infiltrated by kind of the you know biased 24-hour news cycle type of thing but in this instance it's unfortunate that this is how it plays out but it's that you know uh, hey it comes out and says use trial vaccina- vaccination kits atmosphere polluted and then angie who's a nurse is basically saying like guys these are opened you know they've been used we're not going to do them. We're not going to do it. 
but uh, but dad pressures everybody into doing it, does it himself, and they ultimately take all, all take the syringes. Um, and then uh, it says, you know, they're just all like kind of sitting there and waiting. And then spontaneously, Gramps barfs himself to death. <laughs> Just stands up and just bleh, 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 shaky head, black vomit everywhere, dead. And then it says vaccination procedure complete. So now you get the idea that the thing is watching them. Right. Right. Something is watching them in, in some capacity. Right. Yeah. Something's watching them. And like even because it happens after grandpa's death, it's the assumption that that was part of the plan of like, we're yeah. going to mm-hmm. we're going to clear out the olds or, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. And, and they're rationalizing it to themselves. So there's this this whole co- you know confirmation bias thing happens a lot in this movie too. That's certainly a theme where you know then the dad's like, well, he probably died because it didn't work on him, and if we wouldn't have took it, we all might have died. You know, so like I said, he's really trying to convince himself um, of uh, that that you know uh, he's trying to solve for for his confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically, it, 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 you know, to jump ahead a little bit, but dipshit brother-in-law gets his fingers cut off because he tries to stick them in the in the crack in the where the front door is um and uh the access slot is kind of almost like they call it the access slot that's where they got to put the syringes back in anyway you start to get this feeling that there's some sort of like organic matter happening here like the front door is like pulsing a little bit um and uh you know, it's saying access slot contamination. Again, you start to understand that maybe there's some some sort of organic organic thing happening here. Um, you get a little bit more insight in Dad's childhood about how he's abused, and you know how that that's maybe causing him to kind of break down in the way that he is. Um, I, there, there's been estrangement, which I didn't mention before, but like Nick has been estranged from his family for some years now, so there's like. They don't really trust each other either. No. Um, and so they don't trust each other. And then the family doesn't trust Angie because she's a, you know, quote unquote foreigner. Um, so then the TV starts playing on that or whatever the TV is, whatever's delivering them. This, this message says one uh, of your number is infected. Isolate them. Of course, they all immediately assume it's Angie. Nick fights against it. Doesn't matter. They isolate her in another room. Um, and then this big fight breaks out. Nick gets this idea because, you know, Angie's isolated. Nick says, she says, you know, I think this thing can see us. It seems to know the timing and everything of what's happening in the inside the house. So Nick decides he's going to go try to turn the TV off. So TV goes off, uh, doesn't come back on. The sister catches him, makes a big deal, says warning, interruption, <laughs> interrupting emergency signal puts lives at risk. The sister freaks out. And starts punching Nick, and then a big melee breaks out. So ultimately, they fight up the stairs, and the sister gets thrown off the balcony. So I didn't mention before, not that it matters that much up to this point, uh, it will later, but she's pregnant. She falls off, does a big splat on the floor, breaks her leg, gruesome compound fracture. Obviously, she's like unconscious, and the husband just kind of freezes up, and they're all scrambling to help. And the TV, he looks over and the TV says, I see you. So yeah. now it's like, all right, now you spilled the beans here, Mr. Television, right? <laughs> um, 
yeah, dad just kind of disassociates and bails at this point. Mom tries to beg the TV to help them. It's not I'm working. I'm going to great. my study. I have to do yeah, my work. Like, <laughs> I have to yeah. do my work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm cleaning my room. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, uh, so they determine, you know, that that the sisters, you know, sepsis might be starting in which i was like wow that was really fast but apparently that can happen i don't know my wife's a medical professional so she was like yeah that can happen i was like oh that uh did not realize that was the case it's terrifying um also (laughs) um mom just at this point's useless right she's she's kind of disassociated too um dad's up there making a home alone plan in his room he's like drawing (laughs) on like a schematic and like setting up gi joes and shit and micro machines um and he's obviously scribbled out angie's name like he's gonna do something with angie so you know this um nick starts trying to find a way to escape he puts his phone through a hole and sees this like almost octopus squiddy looking thing outside the house that looks like the cables are like you know uh, acting like like almost like squid tentacles um and the tv is mad because he tries to break out and it's like hey uh danger you know somebody's trying to do something uh you know you can't go outside the house basically so um <laughs> this culminates in uh it basically calling out saying extract information from the sleeper agent. So what it is, is it's really playing into dad right now. And, yeah. and whatever this entity is tells them basically that you need to like torture your son into giving you information. So that's of course what dad does or intends to do. He, he ties Nick to a, to a, to a, a chair and, you know, basically, you know, starts asking him questions, cuts him with a box cutter, and then is just full on prepared to pop his eyeball out with a screwdriver. So it's like things are escalating super fast here. I think this is like the one scene that I was just kind of like, because up into up into this point, everybody's just kind of insufferable in their dumbness. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like this one kind of goes over the edge of like, well, even even he doesn't take pause that yeah. much to really think about like what he's doing. And I'm like, eh, I don't know how I, I don't know. I, I, I totally, I agree with you, but also I liked that at least the, you know, the brother-in-law and everybody else was like, dad was gone, but everybody else mm-hmm. was like, Oh, Oh, this we've, we've gone over the line. Like right. this is too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He went up in his room, had a, had a little time and then, and then he's, bonkers right mm-hmm. yeah. so like yeah there's a little bit of uh the the dipshit brother-in-law's like hey maybe you're taking this too far and he's like yeah hey, fuck you hand and they're like keep playing on the brother-in-law's insecurities everyone keeps doing that um and he's like a he's he's like a, a poo brain so he's like you know susceptible to it ultimately right as he's about to pop his eye out mom comes up you know, and screams, uh, and, uh, and the sister has died, you know, so she kind of, she passed away from her injuries, I guess. Um, and then that is when mom finally stands up to dad, tells him to fuck himself, uh, smacks him. And then they do release Nick at this point. So the cooler heads prevail, at least for the moment. Um, and then Angie starts to figure out what's going on. She's like digging at the wall and the little metal or, or fibrous things on the wall. She finds a TV that's got like a beating, like electronic cable heart in it. Um, (laughs) Video drone time, baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting real video. Yeah, it's getting real video drone real quick. Um, And then when the TV comes back on, um, you see 
a timer that was like 23 minutes real quick. And then you see all these like random occult symbols kind of popping up on screen for, for a quick second. And they're basically saying like, Hey, there's been, a you know, something, something happened. There's a breach or something. So they're going to quarantine protocols going to start or where active quarantine bedroom two, and smoke or some sort of like gas. It's like some black looking smoke starts pumping in through these pipes. Angie's in one of the rooms. Nick saves, saves him with the help of the boyfriend. But then mom's in one of the rooms and they're trying to get her out. But then she gets exposed to the smoke, which like burns her face. And then she just fucking explodes, which I'll be honest, I did not see anybody <laughs> exploding necessarily from the gas. Uh, but I was intrigued and interested yeah. um, of, of, of exploding gas. Um, so then it's like all survivors go to the ground floor. Right when Nick decides, like, fuck this, I'm going to smash the TV. The TV goes super religious on everybody, <laughs> like really, <laughs> really quick. And just like dad, na- dad asks if the TV is Jesus <laughs> and the TZ's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, then it, like, <laughs> and, then, and then it resurrects the baby inside the sister's belly. Or maybe it was still alive. Like, we don't really know. But it's like kicking in the dead sister's belly, uh, which is which is rough. And then uh, they um, <sighs> the only part here I was kind of confused about was like then they're kind of taken to this like like idyllic meadow and it's like Angie and Nick and they're just like hanging out in this meadow and then they get like snapped back into reality. Um, but. My thing was like did they pass did he, nick pass out was it did, were they sleeping like or was that the yeah, that entity really like jarring. showing them yeah was the entity like showing them like his paradise or something because yeah. it's like some godlike creature my my assumption was it like it gassed them a different way and like gassed them yeah. with you know like just crazy knockout gas but it doesn't it yeah. like it doesn't play that. right no no we, yeah we didn't no. cut that in there no, I, I just think it I was know. a bad progression. It was it was at this point um, that the movie for me went really off the rails and it just like mm-hmm. continued to do so. Yeah. And, and quick we can comment right? on more on that in a moment. Yeah. I mean, we're spiraling towards the end here. Um, yeah. But dad basically is like, it says you got to make a sacrifice to save the unborn. So dad's going to kill Angie to save the baby, apparently. Um, so he's about to kill Angie. Big fight happens. Dad ends up stabbing the dipshit brother-in-law and then uh, um, and and just brains him with a hatchet. Um, unfortunately, I wrote, unfortunately, dad has the strength of 10 Alex Joneses because he's just like tossing motherfuckers around. He's like this old sweatered British guy. And he's just like, the, makes the frogs gay. He's throwing everybody around. Um, and it's turned Angie, the frogs into puftas. <laughs> Yeah, Angie ultimately, you know, saves him by smacking him and then and then um, and they push the TV on his head and then the TV just goes goes wild at this point. So it goes fucking full wacky fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse. The cable monster starts like coming out of the TV and like forming arms and pinchers and shit and like reanimates dad by going through the base of his skull and out his mouth and makes him like all dangerous and shit. 
Um, My note for yeah. this is Tetsuo the Iron Bloke. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, if his arm turned into like a fucking weird hatchet with like yeah. a meat mallet or something. Yeah. Just, just the way the cables um, move. It does have like this weird kind of stop motion quality to it. That just like reminded yeah. me of like Tetsu the Iron Man. So I was like, yeah, it's like a herky jerky kind of thing. Right? Yeah. It, it, you know, I wanted to appreciate that. Like, it, you know, it's got these practical effects, a real throwback kind of effect going on. And, and I was like, that's cool in maybe a different movie. But the movie you set up here was not this silly. And mm-hmm. then this looks really <laughs> silly. Right. But that's why I like it. Like, and this is my taste. And like, Steve knows this. I like when things just go fucking sideways and you don't well, know what to expect movie. at all. Like, you, you, like, honestly, can you think of anything that could have happened in this movie that you would have been surprised at this point? You're just like, anything could happen. It's gone. That's yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Like at this point in this film, like we've basically just been given something very similar to Cube of just people mm, trapped yeah, yeah. trapped in a space and like trying to figure the yep. space out and then their interactions. So like it, what you have to write an ending and the only way to do that is to write something that's a sideways ass crazy ending to for mm-hmm. your for your basically single location film. You know, you have yep. uh, obviously the rooms act as multiple locations but you're just in the house. We've seen enough of the house. Show us something new. Oh Crazy tentacle TV monster? Okay, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they do. Um, so <laughs> the monster dad comes and basically says, like, worship me or die. Like, he's really into getting worshipped. Um, Nick somehow determines that it needs them uh, as the last survivors. But then he, like, blows it up by throwing something into its heart. <laughs> this is... And this is it's it's it gets a little iffy here. Yeah, Um, this is this is my favorite. This is my favorite, though, because (laughs) yeah, we haven't. So like throughout the film, we're just kind of inundated with how stupid Nick's family is. But Nick has led on that he's stupid as well because he's always always telling the TV, you're not the boss of me repeatedly. (laughs) And that's like that's something a stupid person (laughs) does. (laughs) So sure. <laughs> so his his solve for this problem is that yeah. he's is just a very dumb British thing of I'm going to throw a bottle yeah. at it and then he throws yeah. a bottle at it and that works. Yeah. Or so he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that's the thing the, the the most British thing you can do is urinate publicly and throw a bottle at something. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. And and have have um, clammy clammy sex. I feel like uh, that's a pretty British thing to do as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, after Nick having been doused ble- in bleach, apparently. right? Yeah, <laughs> by bleach and and malt vinegar. <laughs> um, so the cables attack again. Dad and dad, you know, swings a hatchet, and and then everything goes to black. So now. Cable dad's left, so you, you got to assume everyone's dead. And this is my favorite part of the movie. This was so <laughs> I don't fucking know wild, man. It's so <laughs> wild. I, this is like, this is Boxer's Omen level wild, right? So Cable dad, now you got to picture this, and you should watch it, right? 
but you've already spoiled it if you're listening to this. Yep. He's got cables going through the back of his head, out his mouth, and then they're wrapping around his face like a reverse face hugger from Alien, mm-hmm. right? And he carries a little TV out, a little baby TV, <laughs> and he sits it beside his dead dot pregnant daughter. And uh, and the TV starts, um, and it says, hello, Ruby. Ruby is what they said was going to be the name of the kid when it was born, if it was a girl. And it says, worship me. And it says it in like cute little letters. Then the cables crawl all over the, the sister's body, melt her into a skeleton. <laughs> I want to say that again. The, cr- the cables crawl all over her body, melt her into a dang old skeleton. And then, but the baby is just left laying comfortably inside the dry skeleton. Yes. Well, I That's- gotta say, I, when, when the cables started coming up, I thought we were going to see like, you know, an evil dead, um, free rape, except that the, it was going to be a birth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then what happened was just not all, not that it was just so much crazier. <laughs> it was so <laughs> much crazier. It was somehow fucking skeleton thing. Yeah. It was somehow <laughs> more innocent. Yeah. And it's silly. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have been. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. It's, silly. it's more innocent. <laughs> It's more innocent because the skeleton is like a clean skeleton. It's not even a gory skeleton. Yeah. It's a no. There's no. not a drop of blood. It is a clear, clean, white, dry skeleton. Yeah, right from biology class. It is literally. It's like when, it's like when Kevin McAllister electrocutes Marv. Yes, and he turns briefly into a skeleton. Yeah, it's that but skeleton. with all the clothes and the hair. It's that type of skeleton. holiday horror. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the baby is just laying there and it's like basically feeding the baby propaganda. So the whole idea is that the baby's never going to know anything other than this. So it's going to be the perfect follower. They zoom out of the house. This this is happening all over, at least this neighborhood or this geography. And uh, and and that's it. So, you know, pretty straightforward allegory here, right? Like people get infected by these like fearful messages, right? That that the media takes advantage of and and uh and then you pass that down to another, you know, uh, a younger generation and they don't know any better. So they just accept it and that's how the generational trauma takes place that's how the generational you know racism and all these types of things take place it's like i said it's 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 pretty on the nose um it feels like one of those flicks that there was an idea first and then the story was built around it kind of thing yeah Um, i mean like you said when you said um a richard madison short story like it does play out very much like a short story and and Mm -hmm. with that uh, that kind of um Genesis, I think, too. Yeah. Like somebody wanted to say something about the poisonous television and then built it out from there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, because most of the time when that's the case, it sucks ass. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. I thought was pretty well executed. Now, it's bonkers. 
and there's some giant leaps of, 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 of faith here we have to take to stick with this story. But it's genuinely interesting. And there's not, I don't know that there's another movie I've seen that's quite like this. You know, you mentioned the cube. There's definitely some other themes that are similar to other movies. But like, I don't know. I just, it felt pretty, pretty fresh while still tackling some topics that we've seen plenty of other movies tackle since like 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was way better than I expected. And then, because even looking it up on IMDb and, and, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, it gets pretty panned, which I just, I don't know. I don't think that's fair. Um, Yeah. Do you think it's because of that tonal shift that people are, are not happy with it? I guess I mean, if I were being if I were being an asshole about it, like I, I would be like, oh yeah, the ending is it comes out of nowhere and doesn't feel like it's the ending that uh, it's with the rest of the thing. That said, like I I enjoyed it too. I mean, I thought it was pretty well done, and even yeah. when I thought this is getting so ridiculous and what are they doing, like I was still compelled by it, and I wanted to yeah. know what the hell was going to happen. Yeah. I like I accept that this is catering to my tastes a little bit because like I said I I love just like just weird fiction uh uh weird cosmic horror fiction. Um so like this is this is just right up my alley. So I know I'm giving it a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than maybe other people would. <laughs> but I just was impressed that and and this is what I love about the horror genre is this movie can exist for several years. You know, this, this, this movie has been around for f- over five years Yeah, and I've never even heard about it <laughs> and I really liked it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, is it, is it, I'm is just, it black Christmas? No, no. but <laughs> is it even rare exports? No, probably not. No. But <laughs> I, I'm going through some of the, like reviews and on IMDb, the ones that were there. And it looks like the majority of them are all about like the, how the ending is so bizarre. So it's definitely just yeah. a taste mm-hmm. thing. Of, That's a divisive ending. You, mm-hmm. Even if you like it, like you have to admit that is a divisive ending. Oh, yeah, a lot of people yeah. are going to not be happy with it. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. But like also at the same time, so people crazy. are biased against skeletons and I hate how people, <laughs> that is it. Like, yeah. Skeleton yeah, hates people. Anti-skeleton rhetoric. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so at the end, let me ask you guys, um, and this is maybe nitpicking, but um, I'm just curious, like at the end, you know, it does pull back. You see the neighborhood and some of the windows have the blue light from the TV coming out and mm-hmm. some of them mm. don't. Um, so do you think that they're survivors? Do you think that some people were able to not fall apart and beat the TV? Hmm. Are we supposed to think that? Or are we supposed to think our television overlords have definitely triumphed? I think we're meant to think that, especially because there's like, it's just silent. Yeah. There's no helicopters. There's no, yeah. yeah, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any signs of life which is why mm-hmm. that would suggest to me that, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're at, this is something that's spreading and yeah, I don't like the, the, the outcome likely for, for mankind. Yeah. But yeah, 
pretty bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's a bleak ending. It's a bleak ending. That's all right. I mean, I, I, uh, 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 yeah, I, I guess I, I don't mind that. Um, listen, this is a guy who's seen The Mist, uh, probably 10 times. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't mind. Jesus I probably have because it used to be on Sci Fi Channel all the time. Yeah, when I was, that's like, true. After yeah. it came out when I was in like high school, college, I watched that movie all the damn time. Anyway, um, uh, that was it. That was a wait further instructions for 2018. I definitely, uh, I would definitely suggest it. Um, it's free on the tubies. Uh, go check it out. All right. Um, this is going to be a little anticlimactic here, guys. We're going to vote on what we thought was, 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 uh, was our best movie. Let's just go ahead and say for the sake of judge or for the sake of argument, we all are going to vote for our own movies. Oh, and then let's pick what our second one. So oh. are we going to do that? No, I'm not gonna. Oh, so you're I'm, just gonna shoot it in the ass right off the bat? Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. All right. Yeah, I thought you're. I thought you were gonna go around the horn, and then I could surprise everybody and say, "No, this is my first time of not picking my own film," because I am. Just, okay. I am right. just gonna pick Black Christmas. That movie is so well shot. It just well put together. Like it. It is batting above its kind of weight class. Or that's not even a fucking analogy. What the that's hell? That's a good note. No, you know how they have weight classes in baseball. We all know this. <laughs> fucking dumb brain I have. I only know hockey. <laughs> but I no, love I, that. It's batting above its weight class. I'm going to use that one. Dumb one. But yeah, no, it's definitely punching above its weight class for what it is yeah, yeah. of being like a proto horror or a proto slasher horror film. But when you combine how well it's shot, the cast, like the sound design, everything put together, and then you have a a film that doesn't spell everything out for you as well. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a fantastic film. Whereas Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is great to have on the background and it's great to do the lines. It's it's the holiday room is what it is. And, you know, we should probably go into more theaters (laughs) for that reason, but... Like, <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's not good. To- no, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> you don't watch that <laughs> unless no, you're having no, fun with friends. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you're unless doing- you're yeah. doing a little bit of that old devil's cabbage and you just want to sit back and embrace garbage day. <laughs> yeah. You say, uh oh, <laughs> Brandon, what do you think? What do you think, Brandon? I mean, obviously, I'm going Black Christmas, um, you know, for all the things that uh, Steve said. And and just I feel like it's it was so ahead of its time uh, while still managing to help to establish that genre that hadn't even really existed yet. Like, I, I just think it's it's not only a very good movie on its own, but then looking at it in the history of horror it, i think it just fills a very important spot in the evolution of of horror in the slasher too so it's just mm-hmm. big film yeah listen guys i can't i can't disagree with the things you're saying but just you know because my vote doesn't matter and and and, and brandon has already won i'm gonna remain defiant till the last great and i'm picking await further instructions and then second black christmas because you know why <laughs> in black christmas no one pukes to death and that's a shame and you should be ashamed of yourself bob clark 
You drag us in here on Christmas and you don't even make one person vomit to death. Um, they don't melt anybody away to a skeleton. In yeah, that no skeletons no, in Black how many, Christmas. Lit, how many skeletons? This many. Goose egg <laughs> skeletons in Black Christmas. Um, I will be honest with you. I will watch Await for the Instructions again. And I will especially turn people onto it and suggest that they stick onto the end to see the skeleton stripping scene. I will say this. Black Christmas, obviously, far spirit movie. There is no one scene in Black Christmas that I like more than the cables making her into a skeleton because it's not <laughs> stripping her. It's not like it's pulling her skin off. No. It just covers her, it's does magic. a little magic trick, woo, yeah. waves its magic wand, and ta-da, skeletons <laughs> with a baby in it, um, which seems like a weird, like, gothic, you know, seems like something in Mardi, like a Mardi Gras float would be like a skeleton with a baby in it, you know Right, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's where we're at. Um, so uh brandon's taking home that son of a bitch in championship strap steve uh the 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 uh the guest has has beaten us again although mm. i will say this is not our fault no this is not our fault no, not at all um i take no responsibility for any of this yeah you um yeah. i mean you still lost but yeah <laughs> yeah i take no responsibility um here's here's uh what'll be interesting we'll have to talk about this uh a Brandon, you're going to be ultimately responsible uh, for um, for picking a punishment movie for us to watch um, because, Ooh. you know, to the victor go the spoils. So you get to pick a, okay. a punishment movie. And traditionally, you know, it, it really depends. Actually, there's not not there's not a direction. Traditionally, sometimes we'll have someone, you know, and, and we'll pick something that's just like, hey, I kind of want to watch this and be fun to watch it and, and discuss it. And then sometimes we go for the jugular. And Steve has made us watch some sort of, you know, all manner of horrible scatological films. Um, I like I said, I've received a lot of flack in in recent weeks because I made everybody watch 2012's The Great Puppy Adventure, a.k.a. Halloween Puppy, a.k.a. Um, a Magic Puppy. Um, and people didn't like that. They got mad about it. Yeah. They wrote letters. Yeah. Um, people were upset. So I think people were upset about that. So I think because of the holidays, things are going to be moving a little differently uh, mm -hmm. in our scheduling, just so everybody's aware. Yep. So we're probably not going to be able to fulfill this punishment movie in uh, in this month because we're going to do some other holiday mm -hmm. stuff to close out this month. And then. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK, OK. And then we'll have another. Uh, we might wind up doing two punishments in January, really. Because we'll have Brandon's punishment and then whatever the January showdown sh shakes out to will also be a punishment. So, so what no, you're saying is this is another Christmas horror movie. No, maybe saying, not. It, maybe not. Won't pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what you're saying is this is 2024 Brian's problem. Yes, this is a 2024 is Brian problem. Explain. But, you know, we're gotcha. it's just it's all punish. All naughty, all punish. Yeah. <laughs> all punish. naughty. All punished all the time. So, but you're like welcome. It. You're welcome to come back on that episode as well, Brandon. Once you choose what film you would like to subject to us, let us know, and then we'll schedule you in for January, and we'll make good on this. 
loss despite right, it not being in. our fault <laughs> well and that's the one thing you got to keep in mind is you're going to have to watch this movie too so i've made that mistake before where i pick something like i think dan just mentioned in the chat i picked a movie called the killing tree um to to discuss although that wasn't a punishment episode no, but that wasn't that movie just I happened picked, right that was just yeah yeah it just happened to be punishment right yeah, yeah. and i did yeah. pick it blind and that was a mistake because it was one of the worst movies i've ever seen um and so boring and so dumb and yeah. and i hated watching it um but so 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 it's just some 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 food for thought there for you in any case guys anything else we should we should mention here again uh actually um you know we mentioned the top show brent tell tell the folks out there where they can they can find your 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 work and and maybe if they want to say hi to you on the internet where would that happen yeah, so uh, at Paperback Writer BG on Instagram. Uh, the other thing would be uh, my website, www.brandongets.com. Um, I was active on the Twitters until it became the X, and then it kind of sucked, and I haven't been back on. So <laughs> that's kind of all I got. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that one, too. Um, <laughs> all right, boys and ghouls. Well, Tune back in for us. We got a lot more festive spookiness throughout the month of December. Uh, Steve, anything else to add? I'll say that originally I got await further instructions confused with another movie because they're they are mm-hmm. very similar, but they both have mm-hmm. different wild endings. There's a movie from yep. 2020 called Hosts that is about families getting trapped together in a Christmas house. But it also has a it also has a Santa killer in it, so check that one out. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, ooh, Hosts, I like a Santa killer. You will never guess the ending, and once you see the ending, you might have to ask me what it means because <laughs> I You'll... I had to go read it myself. <laughs> I thought you were about to give another tagline. Nope, when no, no, you with Yule. Nope, <laughs> you will never guess the ending. <laughs> All right, boys and ghouls, for the Halloween's Forever crew, I'm Brian. I'm Yule Log. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.